0: Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
1: Um, hello, CMOS girlies. Welcome back to the pod. You probably missed us. It's Kate and Emma. Okay. Episode 56, Veganism. Um, how are you, dude? We're both in the Midwest. Thanks, dude, um back so where we uh were born and raised chilling with the fam for um everyone's favorite holiday, Thanksgiving.
2: Yeah, I think Emma
1: and I should have like
2: done some sort of if we were closer, I have an idea for the next time we're both in the Midwest, because it's a very iconic moment. Um we should walk to each other and like give a high five and then walk back to our respective States. Um, That'd be fun. So I wonder yeah. how long of, I wonder how long of a walk it would be. Yeah. That's where the CMOS girlies walk, silly little walks club should start. Um, you know, there we go. We can then take it over to New York and do a more, medi- uh, you know, mediated walk with us guiding and all that stuff. But Emma and I can do some sort of cheesy walk to get to each other, but yeah. Uh, happy Thanksgiving. Um, it's your birthday tomorrow. And Craziness. Yeah, what have I been up to? You know, it's in honor of this episode, uh sorry vegans, it's Emma and my first uh Thanksgiving actually eating meat. So, what did you eat on Thanksgiving, dog?
1: Bro, I had the turkey. Nice, I too. had cauliflower mashed potatoes. We made that cuz my dad is keto. Um some salad, um some more turkey, and then we made my mom ate like pumpkin flavored creme brulee. Did not turn out very well. It was kind of a disappointment, but yeah, just kind of the typical traditional stuff. You know, it felt good not have to eat, not having to eat or like make a tofurkey or some other like crazy, like vegan side dish. I think I remember one year I tried to follow like the, from my bowl, like Caitlin Chewmaker's like Thanksgiving menu thing. And like everything was just like so sad and dry and crumbly and I was like, yeah, everyone's probably like, Emma, what are you doing to yourself? Um, so, you know, it felt good not having to, like, prepare food for myself and, like, have people question me. I was able to just be, like, you know, just like everyone else. Did. Yeah. Yes.
2: I do remember seeing the Caitlin Shoemaker. I have not thought about her in a while. When you said that, I was like, wow, memory unlocked. But, yeah, mm-hmm. I remember seeing all of her Thanksgiving things, you know, when I was, like, 18, going to make all these dishes that I would probably only fucking eat. So I never really went down that rabbit hole um but yeah it was it was good to eat turkey I had turkey what else the fuck did we have we had some squash Brussels sprouts we're not like a cranberry sauce fam over here and then yeah yeah, that was about it and then other days I've just been eating whatever the hell my family has my mom does have mackerel um which is incredible so I
1: yeah there's plenty of mackerel back home which is incredible I've been really enjoying the luxury that is now mackerel yeah
2: agree so I have been drinking probably I actually am not kidding ten Zevias in one day ten. My family I don't know why my mom gets so much because like everyone in the family drinks it. I have not had chin acne like this in decades. So I'm convinced I'm a stevia truther now that stevia and artificial sweeteners can cause acne for some because if I eat you know cheese accidentally or butter accidentally like when I'm served at a restaurant I don't cook or like not butter but whatever cheese or mm-hmm. dairy yeah, I'll maybe get a zit the next day, but this is a minefield. This is a disgusting minefield. So as I'm sipping on a Zevia here, I will, um, you know, I'll enjoy it. But when I go back to New York, we're going to just cut out the Zevia because I can't
1: do this physically. It just is driving me. I've been, I've been chugging the, the polar seltzer, cranberry lime. We have like a billion different flavors. I kind of was like anti-seltzer, but this one like actually has some flavors. So I've been downing these, um, no other, no other crazy beverages, a lot of tea
0: yes yeah, um
1: just because you know it's been chilly yeah it's been fucking frigid it was five degrees on thanksgiving here
2: oh what <laughs> i was gonna say before my pea-sized brain forgot please everyone if you listen to the podcast i when i posted some great memes on thanksgiving there were three bangers in a row okay that was uh, probably one of our best meme days we're now at 19k thank you for getting us there um but i would just be random you- followers yeah we were back in our meme bullshit but a lot of people shared those i was checking the you know the view story reshares that day, and people were
1: loving the memes. People were loving them um, at this point. You know, I- every, everyone can relate to a Melissa Baker meme. I feel like everyone yeah. can relate to like the triggers of Thanksgiving, whether you've experienced an eating or not. I feel like there's always like some sort of like anxiety that comes with it. Yeah um also if at this point you know
2: merch is expired probably by the time you're listening to this maybe you can buy it for one day i hope by this point you've heard us hammer it down because i do feel like a broken record over here if you are running into shipping issues um you can email us a few of you have and i've been trying to solve that but also it's just emma and me and a meme page like we're not we're not zara we're not able to fulfill your requests or amazon or whatever so we're trying our best, um, but we're like paying for all of this by ourselves too. So that's like another thing to consider, but y'all have been sweet and we're happy to see whenever you guys post in it, share on your story, that sort of stuff. Hope you listen to the gift guide episode too.
1: Yeah. Also shout out to the girl who made the CMOS girlies gift guide. I don't remember her name, but you shared it to me and it was cute. Yeah. And Emma and I were going to make one of those.
2: We got lazy. So shout out to you. Um, In the future, your resume for Graphic designer will be up when we are considering hiring people. I joke about hiring. If you're listening to this and I've ever mentioned hiring people, Emma and I are not hiring people. What would you do, buy us groceries? That's our favorite thing to do. We don't. Yeah,
1: literally. People. We we, uh, we what would we? Yeah. Also, what would we pay? How would we pay that? Yeah, we, we would like pay you guys life. on like Oshkosh Kondo. And some of you that have mentioned me that are younger, I
2: just want to say this on the record. Like people have DM me personally or whatever. Like I would love to intern for you guys. You don't have to pay me. No, don't do that. Don't ever about put your labor out there even if you're like oh it's for experience no experience is exploitation if you're not doing it for free right you should always be compensated i've done the unpaid internships not cute so emma and i will not be doing that no matter how hard you beg us to work for us we will only be able to do that when we have money so that's that um today's podcast is about veganism so emma and i are ex-vegans but we have obviously been in the space for a long time And we know we both didn't come out of veganism because it was too hard. Like we were fully, fully capable for four years for
1: me. How many for you? At least like five or six. Yeah, We definitely have a few years of experience under our belts. Um, And I feel like we've been pretty open about our transition away from veganism. And I think just for like, you know, personal reasons and you know, I think sometimes we joke about like, we like whatever we'll be like, vegans don't come for us whenever we talk about like eating meat, but it's totally cool. And if you're vegan, and if you want to be vegan, I know a lot of people in Geneva, you know, there's a lot of people being like, Oh, I like I'm considering going vegan, like what have supplements should I consider, et cetera, et cetera. So this is just kind of like a one on one guide on like things to think about if you want to become vegan, if you are vegan, just something to be like more aware of. Um, And then yeah, like other deficiencies, because again, eating is personal, but We want to ensure that however you choose to eat, that you are setting your body up for success.
2: Yeah, exactly. And so we hope that this is a educational episode. It's formal, informal, informal, my my brain right now, Um, informal enough where you guys can relate to it and it doesn't feel like it is anti-vegan or pro-vegan. We're just stating what we know from our little health and wellness world. So I'm going to call you back, dog, and then we're going to get into the shod to start off so a little bit of the history of veganism now history records obviously have been slanted in certain ways and what I mean by that is that you know ancient ancient very distant ways of eating and how the land was tended to and what crops were picked and what people were eating are not going to be completely accurate so some of this history is probably going to be whitewashed just by the nature of how history is collected Um, and that's kind of getting into the point of that A lot of veganism right now in the mainstream media is talking about, like, it's this new thing that white wellness bloggers created, but in reality, veganism has been going around for centuries and centuries by a lot of cultures with people of color, so that's, like, a consideration if you are someone that's like, oh, I want to try this new trendy diet, like, there are a lot of reasons why veganism has prevailed, not just as, like, a trend, right? And so the number of vegans at least in the United States has increased from in the 200,000s to 9.7 million over the last 15 years and I think everyone that's a sea really knows that there is this huge like shift and pressure to be more plant-based and just care about you know your diet your health the environment whatever any of those reasons and it was first coined as a term in 1944 by a British woodworker named Donald Watson but as I said before the roots go a lot and a lot further um, and how we talk about history is kind of complicates that because it goes back to ancient Indian and West Asian cultures. One of the first or the earliest followers that we would consider to follow a vegan diet would be a philosopher um, and a poet named Al marari who abstained from vegan or animal products for health and ben- health benefits. Um, and it was on this animal welfare shtick, which some vegans care about a lot. Some vegans now, I feel like it's a lot about environmental reasons. But his was this um, total. You know, ethos about the transmigration of souls and animal welfare. So, a lot more of this spiritual connection to how we treat animals and the environment. And then, this modern wave of veganism started in 1951 as a dietary based movement, um, a group called the Vegan Society, and then shifted slowly to becoming an animal rights movement. And so, a lot of the times, I would say that veganism, when I think about it at least, it is this animal rights, it is this environmental, but now it's kind of shifted into this health. Consciousness. And I think you can have all three, but I feel like everyone probably does it for their own reasons. And with like the environmental movement, which typically started in the 1970s or got popular in the 1970s in the US, giving up meat and dairy had been inter- interlinked from that point with environmentalism as well. And in the West specifically, there's this growing desire to eat more ethically, sustainably, vote with your dollar, all of that rhetoric. And so veganism kind of fills that desire as well. But I think Emma and I, you guys, if you've listened to the podcast before, Emma and I kind of have like complicated, you know, views on what is ethical food. Um, And like, I think at least veganism alone is not going to be the best dietary solution to the unsustainable and unethical practices of the way that we care about food, just based on industrialization, agriculture, colonization, things that we've talked about in this podcast before. Um, Veganism, for example, it still exists within this oppressive framework of how our food system operates, right? Like, the monopolies that control so much about food prices, the way that we slaughter animals, but that's not, that's not veganism, but it still is this, like, you know, it opposes a lot of cultural ways of eating and interpretation of diets and lifestyle and principles of spirituality that is like, typically just Eurocentric people are like, I want to go vegan. And you kind of forget about all the other cultures that have, you know, eaten meat as a staple of their diet, the ways to eat meat ethically and like, the complications once again with that. So some cultures that are uh, vegan, a lot of um, Indian cultures or cultures in India have been vegan. There's this history of abstaining from eating meat. And according to the FAO in the US, India has the lowest rate of meat consumption in the world. And it's based on a lot of like the religions that are practiced in India. So those are going to be Hinduism, Jainism, and Buddhism. And so that's where like plant-based eating comes from. And so when it comes to veganism and sort of the ethical limits that I at least think about is that, first of all, as an individual, if you do that whole like track your carbon footprint scale, veganism does have a lower environmental cost than meat and dairy. Like that is a well-known fact that if you are cutting those out, you save this many trees and wheat and everyone can visualize that like little infographic. You've probably seen a vegan post on their Instagram story before. But at the same time, plant-based products and specifically things that are now these like Buzzy white Western vegan products like the impossible burger or almond milk, you know, those foods, they still have problems when it comes to water consumption, deforestation, and land degradation. So it's not like, once again, it's this one to one binary thing of like vegan food is ethical, all other food is not ethical. And one little part of this episode that I wanted to focus on is that there's this area of like white veganism. And so obviously, there's this whole area of like freely the banana girl, like crazy, like dietary eating disorder orthorexia restrictive eating disorder um, that falls in veganism and there's a lot of problematic aspects of that from a health standpoint And how many girls like lost their period got an eating disorder from freely but there's also this weird aspect of veganism that i feel like i saw a little bit of but i also don't really follow like the whole vegan culture like youtubers that much but a lot of white vegans that are once again like probably with the, the biggest platform is the loudest they were starting to compare you know, animal agriculture to things like the Holocaust and slavery and factory farms. Mm -hmm. And like creating them is like, I don't know, just blatantly not caring about things like the working conditions of farmers from the global South or immigrant farmers. And it's kind of weird because veganism really stops ethically about like the liberation of animals, but it's not caring about the oppression of people. And that was like such a weird, I don't know, just like binary thinking that I feel like I was like this is gross like why are these vegans like it made me not want to be a vegan because all these vegans were so I don't know absolutist in their beliefs but a lot of it once again is online and so like if you're talking to an average person and you're like I'm vegan they're probably not thinking that like you're comparing you know veganism to or eating animals to the holocaust it is these hyper online communities and that's like a point of just the internet and I think how we can self-isolate ourselves into these little echo chambers um but when it comes to this, like white veganism, as it is like only online, it overlooks the legacies of meat and dairy production, what are, are entirely interlinked with co- colonization. And so it shifts these systems onto the industrialization of like, you know, plant based foods and all of that. And these harmful systems exist because of the same evils like capitalism, colonialism. That's why we have animal agriculture. It's not just like people want to eat meat to do it, it's the same, you know systems of power that kind of prevail to create all the evil in the world. And that's why I think there's like no reform. You can't just say like, we're going to transition everyone to being vegan. It's like, we need to stop exploiting the global South entirely and making these trendy vegan foods. And like decolonization is something for a lot of people, myself included, that's really difficult to grasp. I think politically and systemically how that would happen. Um, But one good follow on Instagram, his name is queer brown vegan. His name's Isaiah he is really, really, like, has great resources about veganism, he goes on live a lot, he works with a lot of brands, and just his perspective on veganism, like, being a queer brown vegan opens up your eyes to a lot of, like, interesting issues and debates in the online community, and I think he's, like, a great follow if you are a vegan or just, like, want to be, have your eyes open to those conversations, um, and then the next aspect of, aspect of veganism is that, A lot of foods that are often staples in a vegan diet can be problematic. Um, I think we've talked about this before in different episodes, just about water usage, like I was kind of saying before. Almonds, for example, require 1.1 gallon of water to produce just one almond. So if you are consuming dairy milk, like maybe don't do almond milk or non-dairy milk. Um, Quinoa, we talked about like the labor rights that go into quinoa and how that's kind of like taking from communities that typically relied on that as a crop and now they can't even afford to eat it. Avocado is really interesting, so it's a vital, it's planted in pine forests, which are this vital habitat for a lot of indigenous animal species to live off of, and so these trees actually require a lot of water, and so when we plant avocado in the water, there is like not, um, or not in that water, sorry, in these like same habitats, it's depleting like, it's diverting these water sources away from the local animals, so the avocados actually are just like creating this endangered species and then cashews as well. If you've ever looked up a photo, pause this podcast, go look up what a cashew looks like. Cashew fruit. It's grown in a tree and it's so It's crazy. Yeah, it's like, it looks like it's in Mario Kart, like something you'd throw at someone as like an item. And since it is this like really weird thing, it's, they're often processed by hand and that's kind of like lays line for a lot of labor abuse and unsafe working conditions put onto those that pick cashews. So that's just another thing to consider if you're like high and mighty with your cashew avocado- almond blend you know there's still our ethical like quandaries that go into your food as well chocolate is another one I think people know about like the child labor conditions that go into chocolate um I feel like that's been like a decent like I don't know decently buzzy in the news and I just think overall like my perspective on food ethics I think has changed a lot I remember when I was a Sophomore in college, um, I wrote this piece called Vegan Suck" because I was at that point of like my quote veganism when I wanted to then go zero waste. I was like, I don't want to buy any plastic. I'm a college student. Like I'm finally off the meal plan. I want to be like this god that is like saving the world through my single purchases. And I wrote this piece about how vegan sucks because a lot of people that were quote vegan in my class, so much plastic, so much takeout, they were throwing away wilted lettuce on their back of their the pantry, you know, their food was shipped from across the world. They didn't care about that other stuff that was contributing to the environment or maybe they're shopping fast fashion, right? And I I kind of opened my eyes up then like, wow, I really can't change the world through my single action. Like, you know, I think a lot of specifically like white people in the western world that are like interested in activism think that it's their they're doing to change the world, but at the end of the day like yes, care about yourself and like your own actions. I think that is like fine, but at the end of the day like consumerism is not the only way that is going to, it's not going to solve anything. So I just like advise you to not go down that rabbit hole of thinking that like you need to avoid plastic and then not be able to pay rent. Like there's some limits of like what ethics mean. And I think that cutting out like the consumption of animal products is going to be the most significant thing you can do to help the environment probably. But once again, we talked about like local food. So the food's environmental impact is going to depend on where it's transported from, but Often we don't think about production versus products. And what I mean by that is that the agriculture system at large is very exploitative, but it doesn't change between plant-based and omnivorous diets. So whether you are buying, let's say, protein powder that is vegan or not vegan, it's still probably made with the same labor conditions, right? And it's a handful of corporations and complacent governments that have allowed for there to be one, no regulations on like supplements, let's say. And then two, just like worker exploitation, neglecting the environmental impact of, let's say they chose to use plastic versus metal or something like that. And they're cutting the corners to push out these processed and profitable products. That is exactly the same for vegan and non-vegan products. So this like capitalism and monopolies and like which corporations are the most lively in the marketplace yeah I guess if you do shop vegan you are your environmental impact is different but you still are opting into the same systems of capitalism so that's why I think that this whole like vegan non-vegan debate when it comes to consumer products is like a little bit oversimplified and like what you can do I think I don't know this is a complicated one we'll talk a little bit more about this in the outro but if you aren't aware like kind of the, the way out of this I would say politically is there's a movement called the food justice or food sovereignty movement and so it advocates for people's right to define their own food and agriculture systems, and how this would be done is placing local economies at the center of the food system. So really thinking about those communities that have been just entirely like ignored by government or silenced by government or have their natural habitats and resources depleted by the government, making sure that they have the right to decide like how the economy is working, um and that's like you could figure that out by looking at your local activist groups when it comes to like food and climate change and thinking about yeah caring for your neighbor versus caring about like who the fuck the president is
1: yeah and I think like to piggyback off of that too you know I think with like social media it's like so easy to be able to curate your like online community and only like and curate your feet also and like only you know follow and kind of you know be aware of like veganism and there is so much like propaganda and I know I was guilty of this like when I was vegan just like spewing out like random facts that I would like read from or like from I would get from documentaries etc and like you know granted yeah there's like nothing wrong with that but I think also just like keeping in mind that there is like still like a lot of like dirty business that is involved just like you know with like produce you know like the harvesting of like strawberries and shit I think like just because you are vegan, like, that doesn't give you just, like, some sort of badge that you're, like, old, suddenly, like, this, like, better person than everyone else just because you eat, like, all, like, fruits and vegetables and there are, like, so many limitations. But I think it's important to have, like, a realistic view and, like, not kind of, you know, dive into, like, this, like, full vegan community and only allow yourself to be, like, exposed to that area just because, um, you know, I do think that there there's so many more, like, complications and it's such a more complex issue than, like, what you do and do not eat um but then kind of getting into types of veganism I think it's like interesting that like growing up or at least like in the early vegan days at least you know I remember when I was in high school with all of YouTube just being exposed to the different types of veganism and like really like how people kind of almost created like personalities were almost like attached to veganism like I truly feel like high carb low fat which we're gonna get into was kind of like the first like original almost like back aesthetic because I just remember it was all these like Young like white blonde girls in California, like doing yoga and like soaking in the sun and like just like promoting this very like energetic, like perfect life, and they were just like eating potatoes all day, like I think like what like it was like Stella Ray, and then there was like some other chick, I don't even remember her name, but I think she like did some like how I met my boyfriend, and it was like I was buying Rose and Whole Foods, and he was buying like carrots, and like that's how we met or whatever. Um, I don't remember her name, but I just like, remember watching like all those videos and I think that so many of them are problematic, but I think, yeah, the first one, probably high carbo fat. You've seen the memes we've had discussions in Geneva, but this was like kind of how I got introduced into like veganism and how I originally started eating, um, vegan. And it definitely did not set me up for success. Um, so for those who don't know and live under a rock or were not exposed to the ugliness that is the HCLF movement. Um, yeah, it's basically just eating like high carb, low fat. I think it's like 80, 10, 10. So like 80% of your calories come from carbs. The other, you know, 20% come from fat and protein. And it was like this whole like fear mongering of the idea that like fat makes you fat because you know, the word fat is fat, but it was like not rooted in science and like so skewed and like really like was not like a good, um, agenda, but you know, really like you know, carbs- our high carb low fat diet. It's mostly just consuming starches and fruits. And I think like the biggest thing is that you would rarely see anyone in, um, you know, those YouTube videos cooking with oil and like eating very minimal amounts of nuts and seeds. And so I think that's why, like, I developed such a fear of like eating olive oil because, you know, all these like young YouTubers were like, I don't cook with oil, like only use water, like rice vinegar. Um, but there is like you know, huge importance in having fats in your diet, especially in order to absorb certain like nutrients and vitamins. So like with vitamin A, D and E, you need fats as part of your diet, because these are fat soluble vitamins. And so they're only going to be absorbed through the help of fats. So you might actually be like damaging and like hurting your body more by like cutting out again, like an entire food group. We've talked about the issues with that. Um, But I do think that so many people did kind of develop a very like either an eating disorder or orthorexia through HCLF. And I think like it really blows my mind, like how many people were exposed to this segment on the internet after Kate and I started the podcast. And then another one too was like raw veganism, which I remember again, they had such a big presence in, you know, the vegan YouTube world, but with raw veganism, you know, there's at least, it's when at least 75% of the food that you eat is raw or cooked at temperatures below Like 104 to 118 degrees Fahrenheit, which like, I can't even imagine like taking a thermometer and like ensuring that you stick within that range. And, you know, their whole like belief was that cooking foods is harmful to the human health because it destroys the natural enzymes and foods, reduces the nutrient content and reduces the quote unquote like life force, which sounds like so like hippie voodoo. Um, that is believed to exist in all raw or living foods. And again, I think with like any of these is that like, it's so expensive and restrictive because, you know, like veganism, you know, by default is going to be restrictive because you are cutting out like animal products, but then to like limit yourself to like only being able to eat like potatoes or only limiting yourself to eating like fruit that is like develops like such a restrictive, like mindset around food. And I think like that just becomes ultimately like very slippery slope for people And so I think like, you know, if you are someone who like wants to become vegan, I'm, you know, grateful that I think like those communities have kind of died, but like, you know, being just allowing yourself to like eat freely, I think that's like really important, not like limiting yourself. And obviously, you know, if you are vegan, finding vegan alternatives, like, you know, the non-vegan options, um, that gets into kind of like deficiencies because again, you know, there are some health benefits that you. has a lot to do with different like vitamins that we'll get into and other minerals. And so this is really just kind of like, you know, if you are vegan, maybe consider supplementing because you want to, again, set your body up for success. And, you know, if you are someone who experiences certain symptoms that we'll get into, it might be because you are lacking X, Y, and Z. So the first big one, I think everyone knows is vitamin B12. That is like, what is like shoved down your throat when you are vegan And with vitamin B12, you know, it is needed to help make DNA and it also keeps our body's blood and nerve cells healthy. And so the reason that vegans are going to be deficient in vitamin B12 is because you really can only acquire it from animal-based products. Now, granted, there are some plant-based foods such as nutritional yeast or like I know some plant milks will be fortified with vitamin B12, but this really is not going to be enough B12 to fully cover your bases. And signs that you might be, you know, deficient in vitamin B12 is going to be, you know, you might feel very like weak or tired, or you might even have like anemia. And this is also, again, like a common, these are common symptoms of having an iron deficiency. But I do think like the biggest thing, like probably like all vegans, and I think like even non-vegans too, probably. Because I know, Kate, like you've talked about like how like vitamin B12 is like a deficiency that runs in your family. Um, Like, you know, supplementing with that, whether it's specifically just like vitamin B12, or I'm sure if you take a multivitamin that'll probably cover your bases. Um, next is going to be vitamin D. Again, vitamin D is going to help your body absorb calcium. And that's also the building block for strong bones. Now, animal products are going to be the only natural source of vitamin D3. There are some plant-based versions of vitamin D3 on the market. I think it's like derived from like leachin, but when you are taking vitamin D3, again, you should look for it in pill form because and make sure that it's paired with like the fat source. So If you look at the pills, they should be like, they should have like extra virgin olive oil or some sort of like fat source injected because again, vitamin D3 is a fat-soluble vitamin. So in order to absorb it, you need to have fat along with it. Um, The next is going to be omega-3. The body does not produce omega-3s. So you must get it from foods. It's an essential fatty acid. And signs of an omega-3 deficiency are going to include, you know, fatigue, poor memory, dry skin, heart problems, mood swings, even potentially depression or poor circulation. And I think one thing to note too is that like a lot with a lot of these, um, you know, symptoms of deficiencies, they're all going to kind of like overlap and it's going to be hard to specifically pinpoint unless you get blood work done, which again is going to be very limiting for a lot of people just because of our like healthcare system, Um, and so if you do feel like, you know, you are weak or tired or are experiencing symptoms again, and may, you may not ever fully know why exactly. Um, so just, you know, one thing to keep in mind that it could just be like multiple things or it could just be specifically just like a B12 deficiency, whatnot, but with omega-3, again, you're going to be lacking this because fish is really going to be the richest and main source of omega-3 and, you know, there's certain basically you know there are types of omega-3 plant-based foods whether that's your flax walnut and chia and these are all you know high in alpha linoleic acid or alas when we eat these foods the body converts these plant-based alas to long chain sources of omega-3s which are epa and dha but the thing is that your body is going to be more efficient at converting these to epa but it will have a difficulty in obtaining the dha um acids and so Again, you can take omega-3 supplements or pills, whether that is like in some sort of like plant-based fish oil, um, and algae, you know, pill, et cetera. Um, next is going to be iodine, which again, you, if you are lacking iodine, it's going to lead to hyperthyroidism and signs of this will include again, fatigue, weight gain, cold intolerance, constipation. And very few foods actually consistently contain iodine and the main foods that will contain iodine are going to be iodized, salt, seaweeds, sea animals, and dairy products. So if you are vegan, you know, you're already not going to be eating sea animals or dairy products. And so the likelihood of, you know, eating seaweed every day is probably not very common for a lot of people. And also with a lot of like plant foods, you know, iodine is going to be found inconsistently in these plant foods just because it'll all depend on the iodine content of the soil which is something that we can't control. And again, with like soil degradation, you know, our soils are becoming less fertile, less healthy and like less rich in like minerals. And so again, iodine will be something that you wanna consider um, perhaps supplementing or just, you know, trying to have iodized salt in your diet or eating like nori sheets for, or like seaweed as well, kelp noodles. And then next will be iron. Woman will be more at risk um, for an iron deficiency. And again, this will lead to anemia. And most common sources, again, come from animal products, whether it's poultry, liver, clams, oysters, and just with iron absorption, it's not as efficient when it comes from plant sources. And also just another thing to keep in mind is that if you are supplementing with iron, you want to be taking vitamin C in conjunction with it because it will help absorb the iron better. And then lastly is zinc. Um, Zinc, you know, is important for... Is an important nutrient for the immune system. It supports metabolism, metabolizing of like carbs, fats, and protein, and will just help promote healthy blood cells. And zinc just comes in smaller amounts from plant sources and also is just more difficult to absorb from plant sources. And signs of a deficiency will include loss of appetite, hair loss, and impaired immune function. And I know, like, we get so many questions about like, what type of supplements do you guys take? Or, like, I'm considering going vegan. Are there supplements that I need to take? So I feel like this is kind of like a good baseline or things to just like keep an idea of if you are vegan or if you are considering going vegan. Because again, I think when I went vegan, I had like no like, you know, prior knowledge about like supplementation or like, you know, truly just like health in general. So I kind of like died head first. And I did not take a vitamin B12 supplement for like many, many years being vegan. I'm sure there's plenty of other vegans that have been in that same boat. So just like a thing to keep in mind because like granted, You may not like feel any of the effects now, but you could wake up and you know 20 or 30 years and like experience different like health complications because you weren't, you know, getting the proper supplementation in your diet.
2: Yeah. And going off of that, I think with all of the supplementation, like I'm just saying, those groups that we just mentioned are a good place to start, probably for everybody, because whenever we do these episodes, I'm always like, oh yeah, if you're vegan, you're deficient in B12 but I just forget like how the average person probably eats and supplements and cares about health and wellness. Like if you're listening to this podcast, you probably are, you know, eating fermented foods. You're probably getting some sort of movement. You're probably caring about your sleep. Like you're probably doing more than the average person is, which I just think is like something to consider. Like if you don't have the money to get the trendy supplement that everyone is talking about or try the new thing, like you are probably still doing fine. But I think this is just an area of like like research sorry Zevia burp um researcher that like could help you if you do feel deficient and like emma said with deficiencies these are all going to be unseen things so you're not going to know them unless you get blood work and i was like forced to get blood work through eating disorder stuff and so that's when i did learn i was deficient in a lot of these things and then i got blood work i think july of this year i ordered a kit online it was from a website called i think it was called let's get checked it's kind of like a buzzy like direct consumer brand that, you know, helps people that live in cities that might have, not have access to care, or if you don't have health care and they send like little kits. So it's like a blood prick and you can do like a woman's health scan and it gives you your hyperthyroid level or something like that. So if you are really interested in getting blood work, that's a good website, maybe ask for it for Christmas, um, be a true wellness God. And the next one that I wanted to talk about that a lot of vegans, I think, well, like Emma was saying that one thing earlier with like B12 and vegans are like, well, I can get B12 through nutritional yeast. But it's like, yeah, how much nutritional yeast are you getting, babes? And also, it's like, is it the best form of nutritional yeast? That's why it's like, as skeptical as you should be about supplements, also too. like realize that, yeah, if someone is manufacturing a product, there are a lot of people that are probably just doing it for profit and like to scam people. But at the same time, they're studying what the best vitamin D is to give to a consumer, right? Like, it is a competitive marketplace. They do want to stand out and give you the best product. So, like, while you might think that like getting your, yeah, getting your like little nutritional yeast is going to give you B12, maybe just take a pill for it, you know, to be safe. And that comes to proteins because a lot of vegans, I think there's this weird like fitness, almost backlash to vegans that like, you can't get enough protein. And obviously, yeah, you can, most studies have looked at whey protein versus pea protein in clinical studies. And they've shown that like both body e- composition and exercise performance were about the same, no matter which protein you used. So that's like, obviously like take that out of consideration that like you can't have enough protein on a vegan diet, but the amino acid profile, which is kind of an advanced CMOS curly thing is what to really pay attention to. So not all plant-based sources of protein contain the essential amino acids. Amino acids are the building blocks of protein. I'm sure you already know that, but there's this misconception that vegan proteins are not effective, but it really oversimplifies. I think like what. Protein powders do to you and how your body actually does uh, digest and absorbs protein. So when you eat two incomplete proteins with complementary amino acids, let's say rice and beans that combines to create a complete protein. And that's a little bit of the area where like, I think food combining when it's just like these Kenzie Burks on the internet is a little bit iffy. Um, I was talking to a few people about food combining recently, like this uh, doctor man and other people off the record, because I was like, it seems extremely restrictive that you would just say, I don't want to eat rice and beans at the same meal, when the fact is that these are complementary amino acids. So that they were explaining to me that no, like, food combining can be a way to look at amino acid profiles and putting it together in the right way to make sure your body is actually you know, getting your complete proteins in if you are plant-based or something. So that kind of opened my eyes up because I was like, oh shit, like, yeah, obviously there's been this cultural reason to food combine. There has been this practice of doing it in the holistic space. I do think it is a little bit still sketchy, but it changed my mind a little bit about like food combining and like what the intention is behind it. Emma, you're on mute. <laughs>
1: literally love I was podcasting on her phone. (laughs) I'm just like babes, you are chatting. I'm thank you. Thank you. (laughs) Yes. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Um anyway, as I was saying, um we got a lot of questions like is collagen vegan? Like can vegan collagen even exist? And I feel like we touched on this in like yeah some episode but um for those who don't know collagen is a vital protein that we just produce less and less of as we age and it makes up about one third of our protein in our body. So that's why there's been this huge push or why I think collagen is so buzzy because I think like preventative, like health is kind of like a big thing that people are taking more into consideration and like, you know, setting yourself up again for like success in the long run. And with collagen, you know, it can help in reducing the wrinkles and just like the ability to heal from injury quickly. But when it comes to collagen supplements, pretty much all vegan or not vegan, excuse me, collagen supplements are derived largely just from animals. So beef or fish generally, I think it's like bovine, and there's no natural plant-based collagen source. And so if you are vegan and want to take collagen, you know, you're not going to be able to find a direct source of collagen to the body from a plant-based version. And this is why a lot of plant-based collagens on the market have to say collagen booster because they can't actually help in the production of collagen, but rather they can help in you know, boosting your body's natural production because our bodies produce their collagen with proper nutrition. Again, this is where vegan collagen can, you know, comes into play. And usually, you know, they're going to be made up of things like bamboo extract, tremella and hyaluronic acid. And there's plenty of vegan collagens on the market. You know, there's Copinaco, Co, there's, you know, gold and probably a few others. But I think just keeping in mind that like, yeah, when you are vegan, you may not be able to get the most optimal, um, you know, source or benefits from like vegan alternatives and you know vegan collagen being one of those and i think like with being like vegan you know it's very easy to be like i will never eat anything that's derived from an animal but there might be some instances where it's like you know you might want to consider perhaps whether wherever you land on like you know the ethics of veganism you know allowing yourself to have collagen um in your diet if you want to And then this kind of, like, lastly gets into, like, are vegan alternatives actually healthy? I feel like this is, like, kind of a no-brainer. And I think a lot of our Geneva girlies probably all understand that, like, yeah, like, just because it's vegan does not mean it is healthy. And I think, like, that's one of the reasons why I kind of shifted away from, like, veganism, started incorporating, like, fish and eggs into my diet just because I, like, was not feeling great personally of, like, eating all these, like, more, like, processed you know, like plant-based versions, whether it's like a faux meat or like a vegan cheese. Because so if you look at like the back, like label, it's like, I don't really know what like some of these things like, are even like pronounced or like what yeah. they even are. They're just like chemicals. Um, and, you know, I think like for any type of diet that you subscribe to, or even if you don't, you know, subscribe to a diet, it's just ideal to eat like whole foods as much as possible. So if you are vegan, you know, that's going to be your grains, beans, tofu, et cetera. And, you know, a lot of plant-based options can come with added preservatives, sugars, inflammatory oils. And I think, again, that's just like, since now vegan is such like a trendy thing, I think a lot of companies have, you know, taken advantage of that and have tried to put out their own alternatives. And again, to like maximize profits, they're going to cut things with, you know, cheaper and expensive ingredients. And so I know like a lot of meat alternatives can contain thickeners such as methyl cellulose and like genetically modified soy. And also Oatly contains grapeseed oil, which contains, which is basically just canola oil. And if anyone follows like the coconut cult guy on Instagram, he's like mad, um, like hippie voodoo, but he always like shits on like Oatly and just like how bad like grapeseeding, like canola oils are for your body. Cause it does lead to like so much inflammation. And, you know, he kind of promotes a lot of like, you know, the natural, like more like healthy milk versions, whether that's like milk or whatever. So I think just like one thing to keep in mind because it can be like really exciting to like, you know, discover all these like vegan alternatives but also keeping in mind that like, you know, some of these like vegan brands may not actually have the best interest in your health and may just be creating a product because they know that veganism is trendy and they can like make a lot of money from you from purchasing of their products. So I think just like one thing to be cognizant of, obviously like, you know, follow the 80-20 rule and eat whatever you want, but just like keeping in mind that, yeah, there can be some harmful ingredients in your packaging. And that is just a byproduct of the American food system. Yeah. And I, I think like Emma was saying, when you do look at the
2: companies, like whenever a very commercialized industrial monopoly company in the United States, like launches a vegan product, I always hesitate that with that. Like when you look at, I don't know who Oatly is owned by, but trying to think off the top of my head, there was a one company that came out with some sort of vegan alternative in some like food sector. And I was like, you guys are the ones that have, you know, this terrible, this product that is terrible for your health on another spe- sex spectrum. So, like, now that you have a vegan product that doesn't take away the public health thing. And like Emma and I always talk about, all these crises are like very interconnected like pub- public health, environmental, climate change. But I think from a labor rights perspective, like the Kellogg's and the big companies of the world even if they make a vegan product, it is still manufactured in the same facility with the same wage that's going to the worker. So like, once again, your food is not ethical. Like don't draw the line there. And I think from a a more lifestyle perspective, like obviously being vegan is restrictive in social settings. And that is one thing that was really like was a prolonged thing that was always just like, Oh, I'm going to a party like nothing to be vegan like going to this I'm always going to have a substitute or I have to explain myself like that became so taxing and yes that was not the reason why I didn't like I was not vegan it just got really fucking annoying and it's kind of a joke like it's really easy to get over it like you know these are small social interactions you just say I'm vegan whatever the fuck like a lot of people have these dietary excuses in in 2021 at least like gluten free people or whatever the fuck but I think from a health perspective like Emma and I would text each other all the time after dinner and be like just had my sweet potato and garbanzo beans. And I'm like fucking hungry. I want like some fake meat or something. And I think from a a health perspective, I just never felt satisfied with my meals. And this is again, once not, not again to say that, like, you can't get enough protein on a vegan diet. You absolutely can. I was fine. I played college volleyball. I was a really fast runner when I was vegan. Like you can be extremely competent, like all across the board while you were vegan. But I think if you are hitting a plateau and like if you do come from an eating disorder, well, that's another layer. That like, if it's starting to feel restrictive or it's starting to feel like you are having binge episodes or like restrictive episodes, like really consider like if veganism is the best best fit for you and don't feel like you are trapped into a food identity and you can't get out of it. Like if you want to start drinking bone broth and then eat everything else that's vegan, maybe do that. Or if you want to have chicken when you go out with your family, maybe do that. Like, I just think the whole, the labels of it, no one really cares what you're eating like you don't need to post if you're eating non-vegan food and explain to your followers so you don't need like a who was it was it bonnie rebecca posted something about her egg thing was that the thing i brought yeah i think so mm-hmm. um i don't i just think take the pressure off yourself when it comes to food and just like do whatever you know
1: yes and i think again that just like ties into like don't shame or judge others for how they eat and i know like when i was vegan i would like judge everyone it's like emma you like hate when people like you know do it for you stare yeah. down at you and are like what are you eating what are you eating and i think it's just like again yeah do whatever is pers- like works for you the, you know the best and again there isn't going to be like a one-size-fits-all approach when it comes to eating because yeah everything's individual and we all have like different bodies and different needs and we have different lifestyles and like some things work for others and some of- and some things don't um and i think what's also just like really beautiful at least about our geneva community is that like we have people who are like super Crazy into like veganism, and some people who like literally eat eat like me, like Kate and I now. And I think we're all able to like accept one another, which is really beautiful because I think, like, you know, being into like health and wellness or, you know, it can just get really toxic and you, and they can lead to like so much drama because it's like, you know, who's better, who's healthier. And I think that's like the one nice thing is that if you are maybe vegan in like, you know, a suburb where no one else is vegan and you don't feel like you can connect, relate to anyone. We do have Geneva where you can connect with girlies from all around the world who, you know, share a similar like mindset, et cetera. Um, So that's just, you know, the weekly Geneva plug. And I think too, like I was saying,
2: the reason I think the meme page does so well in the health and wellness space is that people, one, see through the bullshit and the elitist shit of veganism, but two, if you, and also two, our community is so much more about community, about conversations, because at the end of the day, like if you're just a wellness blogger, your existence is just to sell people product and you care about your own self, mm-hmm. right? Like yeah. you guys don't even, people don't even know that Emma and I run the meme page. And I actually have no intention that people need to know that we started the CMOS curlys Like, I'm just happy that it exists on its own. There's a community that is not like me trying to just like make my own name. Like, I just think it's so pretentious when people are like the Kate Glavin podcast, like what? who fucking cares and like bite like I don't know it's whatever it's that's a whole different point but I do think back to the CMOS girlies and why it does so well is because yeah the wellness stuff it's like people see through it but also at the same time the contradictions that do exist in wellness like at the end of the day do I have moon juice products in my pantry yeah do I also think that like half of the shit I see on Instagram is stupid yeah and I think people that are in Geneva and that are like CMOS girlies like grouping you guys as a category you can realize that like yeah, being vegan is good or bad or whatever, and like also think that, yeah, I made fun of someone that was drinking celery juice, but I'm gonna go drink my ashwagandha later. Like, there's these contradictions, and I don't think it has to be so clear that, like, you are a wellness person that spends trillions of dollars on supplements or you're not a wellness person. Um, so that's why I really, you know, love the community, love the girlies. It's our one year
1: anniversary, dog. We didn't even say that, dude you know what's so funny is that yesterday you know like on Instagram how if you go to like your archive or like oh yeah stories, it'll be like this will be posted a year ago or whatever yesterday I got one and it was me sharing the trailer to the first podcast like on our stories and it was like "Go listen to like our insane trailer and it's like the voice them. and I was like oh my god okay it has officially been one year I know Kate and I've been talking about it for like two months now but it has officially been a one year, one year yeah.
2: And then I, I saw we made like, manically, the first day we made a podcast, we made our like our first probably Google Doc ever. That was our episode list. And it was about 50 episodes. We're on episode 56. None of these have probably gotten, gotten done. One of them was like, walk over Williamsburg Bridge. One of them was like, walk up to Central Park. Like they were stupid, but we were going to interview men that we know both, that we would both mutually know. So very small pool and be like, show mm-hmm. us your pantry over Zoom. And then we would like, rate it or something i was like what the fuck were these episodes we were gonna do so that was my crazy times. god damn it yeah crazy fucking times potatoes and magnesium still was our first album photo do people know what we're talking about when we say that i feel like we've shared it i mean i'm gonna make no i'm gonna make a meme today i'll make it and i'll post it the last one today of the potato and magnesium being held up by someone you know yes because yeah need to see people need to see
1: that shit People need to know,
2: you know, where we came from. One year of Meman. Oh, wow. Another day, another shot. Um, thank you all for listening. Leave us a review. If you love us, um, we appreciate
1: it. That'd be cool for my birthday, please. Leave please. That's all yes, I'm asking birthday for. tomorrow. So wish Emma love and joy and no chit acne. Well, actually, no, my birthday will already have been, have already oh, true. once this episode happens. My birthday's on the 29th. It's yeah. on a Monday, but. Yeah, when you guys listen to this podcast, I will now be a fellow 23-year-old. Thank God. Um, thank, thank God. So world domination starts.
2: We can finally start. Yes,
1: world domination starts again. Um, (laughs) Okay. Enjoy chatting
2: with you. Fun chatting with you. Uh, Enjoy the rest of your Midwest vacation. (laughs) Thanks, bestie. Okay, bye, dog.